two Big 12 teams are remaining. Successes and failures, and is the Big 12 not as good as we thought when it comes to hoops? That and more. You are Locked On Big 12, your daily podcast on the Big 12 Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Big 12 Podcast. It is the 20th of March, 2023. Thank you all for watching. Make sure you guys subscribe to the channel. Our goal is 3,700 subs by the end of the month. month. So help us get that by subscribing today. Follow us on Twitter at LOBig12. You guys can find me at Josh Neighbors underscore. You guys can also find the podcast, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you all get your podcasts. So another really fun weekend of the NCAA tournament. And out of that entire weekend, there are two Big 12 teams left, which I think is pretty surprising for the most part, right? Uh, Two Big 12 teams in the Sweet 16 is not really where we thought we would be. But kind of in terms of the conference breakdown, you've got one team from the Big 10, Michigan State. You've got two from the Big 12, Kansas State and Texas. You've got three from the SEC, Arkansas, Tennessee, and Alabama. One from the Pac-12, UCLA. One for the WCC, that is Gonzaga. You've got FAU out of, I think, the Conference USA, I want to say. And then the Big East has uh, UConn, and then I'm double-checking. They also have Creighton, so they have three. Creighton and uh, Xavier. Ivy League has one with Princeton. Uh, ACC has one with Miami. And then the Mountain West has one with San Diego State. So there was pretty good distribution here throughout all the leagues. Obviously, good showings to the Big East who we talked about it before, their top of the league was just as good as anybody's top of the league. Maybe not the overall depth being there, but their top of the league was just as good as everybody, you know, everybody kind of thought. Now Marquette does go down to Michigan state, but you had Creighton taking out a really experienced Baylor team. And then you had UConn mowing down Iona and really uh, they, they took it to St. Mary's in the second half. So you got some pretty good, pretty good clubs there. And obviously uh, Xavier had a lot of success yesterday, in their second round game against Pitt. So, you know, th- that was a pretty decent league. Uh, for the SEC, we knew it was a good league. The big thing for them was how well Arkansas played, which we'll get to here in, in a second. But um, Bama's path was easy. Tennessee with a great win against against Duke, and then Arkansas, obviously, a massive game. So, you know, distribution-wise, it was pretty good. Obviously great for the SEC. But these things, guys, they, they go in waves. I think it's the number one thing here. It goes in waves. Um, last year, the SEC had one school in the you know in the Sweet 16, right? Uh, you know, right now, like I would say, let's not pay attention to kind of trends, you know, or, or excuse me, individual seasons. Let's pay attention more to trends, right? And you know, I'd say a trend is the Big Ten is not putting teams in championship games anymore. They did for a lot of the 2000s, uh, but like Tom Izzo has been to a Final Four. I think it is every four years, right? He's successful. Outside of that, where has a lot of the success come from? for uh for the big 10 they had, they had michigan a couple national championship games sure it's great but purdue is really the best program now in that league and they got bounced again three straight years getting bounced by double digit seeds the big 10 has not won a championship since the year 2000 right and uh you know so it feels like they're tr- and, and also this weekend too uh you know another really bloody weekend for them one team out of the eight they had starting off the tournament makes the sweet 16 and it's Michigan State, and they look good. I don't know if they can win at all. Um, but I think, you know, you feel better about, like, 
Alabama out of the SEC. You feel better about Texas out of the Big 12. You feel better about, you know, Creighton or UConn out of the Big East. And so while they have a team there, like the strength is not there. So I think that's when you start to worry about a conference at large. I really don't think, um, you know, I, I really don't think at any point in time you could say for sure uh, this league is worse. All right, let's get to some of the results from this weekend. First, let's go with the successes, and we'll go in order of how they happen. The Texas Longhorns have advanced themselves to the Sweet 16. Rodney Terry's crew gets a blowout win in their first game, and then their second game, a really impressive, tough, gutsy, gritty win, 71-66, over a Penn State team that was riding high off of a run to the Big Ten Championship game. They came up. Very, very short in that one against Purdue. And then in this game, uh, or in the game before, rather, they had an excellent win where they hammered Texas A&M. And this was just a dogfight. I mean, Texas shoots one of 13 from three. They somehow end up shooting, you know, 51% from the floor and eight from 11 from the line. The, the thing that stood out is they took great care of the basketball in this game. They only scored, uh, only had five turnovers, rather, which is an absolutely tremendous effort. And they were very strong on the defensive end. Penn State shoots a lot of threes. They were eight for 28. And so I thought they did a good job contesting. This was just a, you know, not a drag them out, you know, uh, a lot of fouls type situation. This was more of a slower pace type situation. A lot of good half court offense. And the star here is Dylan DeSue, right? 14 for 20, 28 and 10. And this was something that was been a, that's been a problem for Penn State is they don't handle guys on the interior really well. And so they kept going back to them and back to them and back to them and I, uh, to him over and over and over again. And I, I remember seeing Jeff Goodman note something late in this game. He said, uh, Texas, they're, they're rattled now. After timeout, Roddy Terry got his team back together and the trust level was there. And those guys absolutely delivered in the end of this game. And, and now we're sitting here, big picture for Texas. A sweet 16 trip now. You know, talking with folks before, thinking about, all right, what would get Rodney Terry the full-time job at the University of Texas? And people thought Elite Eight, maybe Final Four. Um, you know, they won the Big 12 Championship Tournament, two seed, won their first two tournament games. They're on their way now. They got a great win. You know, I, I understand the hesitation um, about, okay, well, how real is it? The guy's earned the job and he at least earns an opportunity. And I know, look, like money's no issues. So you can pay somebody a ton of money, but this guy's going to be relatively cheap. You don't have to income to a long-term deal and he's winning right now. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, but it doesn't really set your program back because you're still Texas. And, uh, you know, I, I'm trying to see, I'm not sure if they you know, have any word from those five stars, the five star at least they've got coming in here. But, you know, what Rodney Terry's done this this season and what he's doing right now, like you still have a lot of confidence in Texas. This team still has the holes that I think we understand. Like we feel like Tyrese Hunter should play better. Marcus Carr is erratic, but guys like Bishop and and uh, Serge Barry Rice and obviously Dylan DeSue. I mean, these guys are stepping up in big moments and they're winning games because it feels like they've got guys that can step up. Like we've seen Bishop have big games. We've seen Jabari, Sir Jabari Rice have big games. We've seen Marcus Carr have big games. We know Tyrese Hunter can have big tournament games. You know, we know Timmy Allen can have big games. Like all of this stuff is possible, right? All of these things, if all of these guys can step up and it and just seems like they're taking turns, they're getting guys stepping up in these moments, making the right play, making, you know, decisions they need to make and, and getting wins. And 
some folks guys in the front of this, like big 12 is uh, Texas is still a big 12 team. I know they're leaving those animosity, but it's going to act like that team was not forged to the fire of a big 12 season. Just whatever comes their way, they seem like they're able to handle now. Whether it be in the Big 12 tournament, whether it be you know, during the season, obviously during the season with the challenges and tribulations they've had, they are handling things beautifully. And they look like an incredibly, incredibly, not dangerous team, but a team that is poised to make a Final Four, to go for a championship. They have got the personnel, I think, to do it. Now, maybe are they at a personnel disadvantage when they go and they play uh, in Arkansas, if you will, if they go and they play in Alabama, maybe, maybe they are. But I feel like in that Midwest, you know, maybe, maybe even you say against Houston, but still, I think they've got the horses and the age to line up with all of these teams. Allen, DeSue, and Bishop, and Carr, even Hunter to some extent, and Rice. These are all old, old guys. This is an old basketball team. They've got plenty in the tank. Very impressive, Rodney Terry. It's time to remove the interim off the off the end. Now, look, if they have some backroom deal worked out with somebody, that's great. But really, if I'm Texas, guys, who is like who are the coaches that you'd like to have your Texas? I think Eric Musselman's the only guy out there that I think about them being like, that's got to be the guy, right? Or or that'd be like, you know, I, I'd think about it for a second. Uh, yeah, maybe maybe they should go and spend all the money and go to get a guy, a guy like that, but. If this guy's taking you to like you're having rational, reasonable success, I know it's hard to build teams like this, but this is his own recruiting pitch. Like, how is this pitch? You know, year one, that's not even my team. You know, if you're into buying, you know, being in part of the process and buying in, he is he is proof of your moment. You never know when it will come, right? He can say that as a coach, and he's got plenty of guys as players that can attest to you never know when your moment will come. But I promise you, if you come to University of Texas you know, by hook or by crook, like if you keep putting in hard work, your moment will come. And, and you know, it might not be every game, but it will be at some point in time in a game. We will need you. You'll have your Dylan DeSue. You will have your Christian Bishop, your Serge Jabari Rice game, your moment. And it will happen. It will manifest itself. And so I think that is a great recruiting pitch. And obviously his players love him. His players love him. And he is enjoying every second of this, obviously, as he should. I think for multiple reasons. Number one, it's a great run. Number two, he's never had this you know, experience before. But also because you know he's not guaranteed the next shot, although he should get the next shot at being the Texas head coach, still interim coach. They have Xavier up next, four-point favorite. It's an exciting game. But once again, Vegas is leaning towards Texas, and I'm, I'm leaning towards Texas as well. The other success from the weekend, Kansas State, the Wildcats, take care of business in their first game against Montana state. And then uh, game number two yesterday in what was a fantastic, fantastic college basketball game between Kentucky and Kansas state 75 to 69 K state who's trailing most of the game shuts the door late. By the way, when it's the 77 65 in the first game, Keontae Johnson led the way for them, uh, you know, with the 18.8 rebound, three assist performance, Marquise Noel, distribution. He is on fire. 17 points the first game, 14 assists in that first game. And he spent it forward to this game. I thought Kentucky did a great job on Keontae Johnson, but what was the difference late? The difference throughout the game was Marquise Noel. The fact that he's so small and as coach Cal called him after the game, a little guy, but he's 7-14, 10-11 the line, 27 points, nine assists. And he's just really great at manipulating screens about finding space his range is what's most impressive about him because he knows at his size at the elite level, which he plays in an elite league and in the big, the, the, the tournaments, the big, both big 12 and here in the NCAA tournament, 
you are going to play elite level competition. He knows how to get open against elite level competition. He did it in this game. And also the variety of guys hitting big shots down the stretch. Ish Masood scores three points, big three in the end. Keontae Johnson hits one, three, five or 14, big three towards the end. Marquise Noah had a big three as well. They were just lighting it up and they kept at it too, guys. They, they lighting up in the last part of the game. Those you know, outside of those three threes that they, they took and made, they were doing quick math two for 18, two for 18. But the one thing they do really well is they shoot free throws at a very high level, right? And Noel and Johnson's a very good free throw shooter as well. They were 18 for 22 from the line. Desi sales was six for seven. Noel was 10 for 11. Uh, and Johnson was two for two. And that's obviously an 18 for 22 in the line is fantastic. And uh, you know, they hit some big shots and, also, Marquise Noel directing traffic, a couple amazing no-look passes. You know, guys, we think about Jerome Tang. I don't think about him as a first-year head coach. That is what he is. But, like, it's hard to think about a guy who was on a great staff at Baylor who kind of handpicked the job that he wanted. And after watching him the full of this season, like, how do we – how do you, like, think of that guy as a first-year head coach? Like, this guy was just tailor-made to coach. Um, and he picked his spot, and he's been right about it. And this is kind of the most, you know, you know, crap talking we've seen from him. Really just, I'm not sure what it was from, from Jerome Tang, but I think he wanted to make sure there was no narrative heading into the game for the fan base, whatever, you know, about, hey, like about this competition. He said, you know, we beat him before. I was on a staff that beat him before. And also after the game, when he said, we just have more dudes than them, he's pretty out there with his comments pretty out there making these statements about what he believes his team is and you know, the kind of player that they have on their team. And I love that about him, the confidence. So they keep rolling into the next round and I know they're, they're being doubted, but this team has been, and I've had my doubts about them the entire year. I mean, look at the way they finished back to back losses at the end of the regular season uh, or the end of, you know, regular season, then postseason, right? They had ups and downs during the year, lost to four to five, but, uh, you know, four out of five, but they've got two star players. And guys, if you look at, at that part of the region now, as they head to Madison square garden, I believe it's where they had at Madison square garden. I think, uh, yeah, they're at Madison square garden, Michigan state and Michigan state's two point favorite is, I get it every, yeah, sure. But they've got probably the two best players left in that region. Tennessee's got uh, Florida Atlantic, obviously in Tennessee. Vescovy, I would put up there. Um, you know, John L. Davis is really good from from Florida Atlantic, sure. But let's be honest, like the best players in this region now left are Santiago Vescovy, Keontae Johnson, and Marquise Noel. And so whatever order you want, I mean, for my money, Keontae is the best player out of that group. And Tyson Walker, too. Sorry, I don't want to short Tyson. Um but the two best players, the depth might not be on their side. The two best players left in this region are Keontae Johnson, two of the best three or four, whatever you want to say, are Keontae Johnson and Marquise Noel. That is important. Yesterday, it felt like at the end of the, I know Oscar was fantastic, but like two of the three best players in the court were on uh, K-State. Jerome Tang said it after the game. We just have more dudes. Uh, maybe those dudes aren't the idea of what we think of dudes, but they are dudes. Keontae Johnson's a dude. Marquise Noel, uh, not efficient to end the, not not efficient, like, you know, a lot of time during the year. Boy, is his efficiency and level of play just elevated. It's, it is elevated. That's the one thing I like about him is he like the turnovers are dropping some. I know he had four yesterday, but the ball is in his hand so much. And the the efficiency, I mean, every possession with him, 
now feels like it's going to end up in some kind of, they're going to end up in points. He is just threatening. He is dangerous. He is creating opportunities for his teammates. It's fantastic to see. And they feel a bit more dangerous right now. You know, a better team overall. They play neutral court right now. I would give the edge to Texas Longhorns. Just barely though. Uh, but momentum and and kind of guys, the playmakers in the end. You know, Texas has more of them, right? Mentioned all those guys. Bishop, Rice, Carr, Hunter, Desu, uh, Allen. But man, those two, uh, Marquise Noel and Keontae Johnson, hard to bet against a pairing just like that. All right, so that's the successes. We've got some some sadness to go through. We'll dive more into these here in a, in a little bit. But first, a quick word from our sponsors. Today's show is brought to you all by Built and Built.com. Built Bars are delicious. They are good. They are good for you. And you guys can now find them at Sam's Club and Walmart. But also, you guys can go and build, uh, go and uh, go and pick their built madness. So they've got their built bar March madness bracket. You go to builtmarchmadness.com to vote for your favorites. Uh, there are all kinds of built bars there and make sure you guys pick them up as well. Built.com today, builtmarchmadness.com too. You guys can win yourselves a free box of built bars. All right. So the losses from the weekend, let's go with the second round exits first, because those are kind of more impactful teams that have made it there. So I've spent some time already working on my job in Arkansas. Let's talk about the defending NAS champions, Kansas, going down. Obviously, huge story. Did not mean to bury the lead, but I wanted to give the successes some shine first before we go to the losses. So Kansas, first thing, no Bill Self, right? That was, that was huge for them. Down the stretch in this game, when Arkansas turned up the heat physically, turned up the pressure on defense, Kansas looked a bit more lost out there than we are used to seeing them. That felt like it was significant. Um, number two, let's give all of the credit in the world to, to Arkansas. I thought the second half and especially the last eight minutes of the game, the defense that Jordan Walsh played on, uh, Jalen Wilson was some of the best defense that we have seen. And when you look at Arkansas, that is an NBA team guys. Anthony black is going to be a lottery pick. Nick Smith Jr. not playing well. And also, I love the way Dewan Harris took it to him. Lottery pick. Uh, Jordan Walsh. Man, you told me one of those guys could play for an NBA team right now. He looks like a guy who's playing crunch time minutes. He can play perimeter defense. He can shoot the three, can move around well. He does a ton of the little stuff on the glass. Then you have Ricky Council, who's big. And, I mean, he is athletic. You see some of the dunks that he's had this year. And then Devo Davis, who's kind of like the – and this is a relative term – but kind of almost like the least athletic guy out there or like least NBA looking guy out there. And he scores 21 second half points for the hogs before fouling out. This is an NBA team and, and Kansas punched in the mouth and they got back up. And I think just in a setting like this, when there was, I know Norm Roberts did a good job, but you know, or, you know, I think a decent enough job and, and thought they fought like hell. You just kind of like the situation at the end. And it felt like they couldn't get Grady Dick or Jalen Wilson open. And so, yeah, this season's really disappointing for Kansas. Going back-to-back -back is very hard. But they lost to a team in Arkansas that had been struggling to find that form all year and just bowed up. And this was the, all right, our offense might not be great, but the defense that we're going to play here, we're going to attack you. And they just wore Kansas down in the end. And KU's lack of depth, you know, really, I think, hurt them in the end because there were just no fresh bodies that you trusted 
to throw. Arkansas has some of those guys. You know, Jordan Walsh off the bench played 33 minutes. Uh, you know, they had uh, Kamani Johnson, who was in there and grabbed 10 rebounds, which were big. Um, and Kansas was minus seven on the glass, and they allowed 15 offensive rebounds for Arkansas in this game, which was a huge factor in all of this. Uh, so, you know, you think about that rebounding margin just being a differential. It's, it's absolutely huge. And once again, Kansas took that lead. Arkansas never led by more than three. And also Arkansas made their free throws as well, too. This was a fantastic game, though. Congrats to Eric Musselman, who keeps ripping his shirt off, which is unbelievable. But, you know, Kansas goes down, and, and um, this felt like with the way the game was going towards the end, the right result. It felt like it was the, the, the right team won this game. Now, if Bill Self was there, I don't know if that's the case. I feel like there's a bit more confidence on that side, knowing who you're going up against. But still, what a tremendous effort from Arkansas and the rating Nash champions go down. Still an awesome season uh, for Kansas. Still a deservative one seed. Still the regular season Big 12 champions and one of the deepest, toughest conferences in the entire country. And I think they deserve a lot of credit for the year they had. And it just kind of ended really unfortunately, I believe, with uh, you know no Bill Self, obviously, there uh, you know towards the end, which was – it sucks. It sucks when that happens, right? You don't want to be without your coach, but that was, that was the case for them. Also, Big 12 teams – that uh, you know, took the shot to the heart, if you will, that went out in round number two. Baylor really just kind of got run by 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 Creighton. Creighton's offense can hurt you in so many ways. And we know that the defense was it was a, a point of emphasis, a really difficult thing all year for Baylor. And it came back to bite them. Creighton, though, from the line, this is where they won the game. They were 22 of 22. And not just won the game, like this is where they put some serious space between them and Baylor. Right, uh, you know, 22 for 22 on the year. They have 47% on the floor, 46 from three. They did have 14 turnovers, but it was an up-and-down game, so they didn't really crush them. And they played good enough defense. Baylor was just not good enough. And also, I think is, you know, Keontae George said the same thing about Nick Smith Jr., one for 10. Like, these guys who are professional scorers but are 18 years old are going to have rough off nights, especially in March, uh, you know, late in the season, February, March, and April. It's going to happen because they're not used to long grind. They play AAU, sure, but like this is different physically from the grind, right? The Big 12 schedule grind is different. Into the tournament grind is different. And, you know, they're, those guys are very, very good at scoring a lot of the time, but it's more about their NBA prospect being uh, prospects about their ability to generate good looks, to get to their spots. And they're not all the way there yet with making the shots all the time because they're so young. I remember Donovan Mitchell a couple of years ago mentioned this. And he was a good example of this in, in, in college. He said, you know, what's changed for you from college to pros? He said, I'm just a pro basketball player now. Like, it's all I do. Now, these guys, they do a lot of it too. But like, that's just your job. It's your occupation. You're expected to go way above and way beyond than you normally do. I'm not saying County, you know, County George doesn't, but there are some bad games. Like, think about how good he was this year. But he shot 38% from the floor. 34 from three is pretty good, 79 from the line. But, like, overall – 38% is not a good shoot. It's not a great shooting number. It's not like a consistently good shooting number. That number indicates you had some good nights and some bad nights. Guys, this is how he closed the season out. All right. So he was, uh, you know, I think he had an injury there against Texas, whatever it was. But after two 715 games against KU and then Kansas State, he goes three for 10 against Iowa State, three for 10 against Iowa State again, two for nine against UCSB, and then one for 10 against Creighton. And I think that's the challenging part. You know, I think that's a really challenging part. Also, this team was not good enough on defense. They're not good enough on defense. They didn't have the depth, I think, defensively to do it. And, um, and that's, that's I think, ultimately why the, they ended up exiting when they did. 
other team that lost in the second round was TCU. TCU gets ousted by Gonzaga. And here's what I have to say about this one. Gonzaga just played a better game than TCU did. Straight up, no BS. That's that's the way this thing went. I thought TCU played a very good game. Very good game. But uh, Gonzaga just did a better job of moving the ball around. And this was a game where the loss of Eddie Lampkin really came through. Because I know he didn't play 30 minutes a game, but at least having somebody in there to put a body on Drew Timmy to go toe-to-toe with him was good. They, they tried their best, but he ends up with 28-8 and eight with three assists in this game. The three-point shooting, you know, I know it wasn't amazing, but in the second half especially, Gonzaga hit everything they needed to have felt like. They put some space between them and, and TCU in a pretty significant way. Uh, Mike Miles was terrific. I know he was battling an injury through all of this. But he was fantastic. Ball was really strong in this game, too. But ultimately, it was the offense of Gonzaga. And in a game where it felt like both of them wanted to get up and down a little bit, uh, Gonzaga comes out with the wings. I thought they generated some better shots late in that game, especially, uh, you know, from three. I know Strother and then obviously Bolton, the guy we know pretty well. Smith comes off the bench and is very good for them. So this Gonzaga team just kind of hit their stride and TCU hit a little bit of a wall. They showed such great quality towards the start of the year. And also, two guys, like the draws that these Big 12 teams got. I mean, you think about some of the um, – some of like the, you know, the, uh, the easier draws, you know, uh, let's just say – Alabama as a one seed. Yeah, the fact that we went and played Maryland in the second round, like Arkansas is a much better team than Maryland, much better team than Maryland. They've got better athletes. They, you know, they felt like they were a, uh, you know, a team that had obviously better talent. Uh, that was a tougher team. You know, there's no doubt about that. Creighton round two, very difficult to draw in a spot like that. Uh, you know, that, that is a very uh, difficult thing to have, you know, to have to deal with that. Uh, you know, some of these teams, I know FAU round two is not like, you know, FAU gets, you know, fairly Dickinson and Memphis uh, as an eight seed, right, to get in. So, you know, it wasn't always the best draw, the fairest draw, whatever, but, uh, you know, that's how these these things work. So I think it was difficult with those draws. We have some first-round exits. We'll get to those in one second. But first, quick word from our sponsors. Today's show is brought to you all by FanDuel, the FanDuel Sportsbook. Also, uh, Kansas State's draw was not easy, too. Kentucky round two, yikes. Um Today, FanDuel Sportsbook, guys. You guys can go to the FanDuel Sportsbook and wager on. They have the futures for the champion. Uh, you guys can also wager on any other game, March Madness. Women's also, too, is available right now. So go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. You guys will get your first bet insured up to, I think it's 1000 bucks right now. FanDuel.com slash locked on. So make sure you guys go to that today. Make every moment matter more. The FanDuel Sportsbook. All right, first round KOs. You West Virginia fans came at my neck. Oh, talk about West Virginia, talk about West Virginia. Yeah, no, you guys, it just it was not a team that was going to be hot enough to, to do it. Felt like they could generate some momentum, but that was a really fun game they played against Maryland. I, I, I think they let, they let that one get away. I thought they were better than Maryland watching that game. They just went cold later on in that game. And, um, you know, Eric Stevenson, as fun as he is to watch, feels like at times he can just cost them. So, Another trip to the tournament, I, uh, we saw Katie Johnson there. The foul trouble in the first half when he was smoking hot, really, I think, you know, it kind of stymied some of their momentum. And that, that hurt them, obviously, um, you know, there in the first round. And then also Iowa State, their first round exit, that was tough to see also. They just got clocked by Pitt. They're able to make it a game for a second, but they end up just getting absolutely hammered by Pitt in the end of that game. And that ends uh, ended their tournament run as well. So as fun as the TCU first round was, they get knocked out. 
not fun first round for Iowa State, obviously. And once again, guys, it goes back to the end. Like some of it's draw, whatever. But I really don't think uh, out of the seven teams that we saw in this tournament, the five early exits, you know, the only one that felt like it was embarrassing to me, like Iowa State just did not come out and play well. For a team that looked like they'd found some juice towards the back end of the season after kind of having that dip, found some success against Baylor, and Baylor's a bad defensive team. It's maybe why. But just not not very impressive from them to close out the year. And then West Virginia, always kind of a paper tiger in some ways, I thought, uh, you know, with the way that their season ended. So, you know, uh, or I guess kind of just went in general. Kind of a paper tiger. Didn't really have a lot of confidence in them. They get bounced in the first round. But tons of conversations about the future of all these programs will be coming up. We'll talk to Robbie Triano this week. We'll also have some more stuff on realignment, as that always is a hot topic right now. Make sure you guys follow us on Twitter at LOBig12. You guys can find me at Josh Neighbors underscore. Uh, make sure you guys subscribe to us on YouTube. Find us wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, my friends, as always, stay safe.